Sir? Okay. everybody, Pastor Eli James here. This is Your Folk Radio. Today is January 8, 2023, and this is Voice of Christian Israel, and today we do have the pleasure of having Pastor Martins back with us again. So how are you doing, Pastor Martins? Well, good evening, Pastor Eli, and also good evening to our listeners across the globe. Uh, I know Brahm is listening in, which uh, was uh, always refreshing to know, and then also I know my brother, in Freight is listening in. Uh, to everybody else, a good evening, and uh, I think we have a very interesting discussion tonight, Pastor. Yes, yes. And so, <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, folks. Uh, uh, okay, I had my mic uh, set off to the side. Sorry, folks. That should be better. Okay, so uh, yeah. Now, uh, this is, I think it was three weeks ago when we uh, last spoke. Uh, but nevertheless, we uh, we go ahead and uh, uh, you know do a show. I'm always prepared to do a show without you <laughs> under the per- current conditions with rolling blackouts in South Africa, which are coming soon to a neighborhood near you, everybody. Rolling blackouts will soon be a common thing. That's uh, going to be happening in Europe with the uh, energy situation there, right? So... But uh, today we're going to first talk about, and actually in the context of the discussion we ended with the last time we spoke was about the two white races spoken of by General Smuts, I believe, and who else uh, was it? Uh, you know, big big shot leaders. Oh, Cecil, Cecil John Cecil Rhodes. So both of them made statements that they believe there are two white races in South Africa, and we'll uh, you know, engage that discussion a little later. But I had posed a question yeah. to you about Arania, and I'd seen a video of Arania as being a white enclave for white South Africans. What What is the story there? Because I know you had uh, suggested that Arania is, is not what it presumes to be or what it pretends to be. Over to you. Yes, Pastor. Um, in Afrikaans, the pronunciation is Urania. Okay. With the ex- accent on the first yeah. uh, A, Urania. Yeah, as in Uranus. Well, yes. Okay. Uh, first of all, um, Urania used to be the uh, the town that was built for the purpose of accommodating the builders of um, one of South Africa's larger 
um, reservoir dams. Uh, I think it was called the Van der Kloof Dam. Now, Urania was the um, town that was built for the accommodation of the people who built the dam. Okay. Of course, when the dam was completed, the um, uh, the the town was uh, became basically derelict because the workers on the dam had moved on to other projects, etc. So the town of Urania was then captured by Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Okay. Of course, not just Cape Dutch Afrikaners as one would want it to be, uh, to believe. Um, one must remember that during the um, dominion of the Edomite uh, Sephardic Jewish Cape Dutch Afrikaners, uh-huh. uh, during the last, during the um, the years 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, the South African economy was dominated and managed by Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Right. Those were the Edomite um, linkages or heritage. They were always in cahoots with the Rothschilds and the Oppenheimers and the uh, Rockefellers, etc. Right. And uh, also, these individuals, Cape Dutch Afrikaners, uh, were very prominent and high-positioned uh, uh, operatives within the um, state system and also within the uh, financial and the industrial sections of South Africa's um, economy. These individuals, mostly Freemasons and Afrikaner Bruderbonders, during that time they, of course, uh, held the upper positions in state and in parastatals and also in private enterprise, and they accrued unto themselves very large pensions. Okay. And, of course, when when the Afrikaner Bruderbond decided that it was time for the Edomites to test. Now, South Africa has been the testing ground of international politics and America's, in particular America's and Britain, Britain's testing ground. I, I would want yes. to call it the litmus test sure. of getting Barack Obama as a black man or as a, a colored man in a position of President of the United States yeah. had to be foregone by the same test. How is Nelson Mandela going to be accepted and made acceptable to the white people of South Africa? Right. Now, South Africa became, for that reason, became the litmus test as to what the operations and the motive, rather the the, the uh, Methods had to be for the American people to accept a black president or right. a president of color. Sure. So, and that, of course, happened in 1994. And with that happening, um, the upper echelons um, that reached the, the uh, age of going on pensions, of course, they 
received large accrued pensions because they were in the upper echelons of the society, the upper echelons of the industry, upper echelons in banking, upper echelons in just about every organization you could think of. Sure. And they started buying up property in the Northern Cape because, and we have spoken about this before, Pastor, because in the way that the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners think, along with the Freemasons, now we know that Peter Tief, although he was a descendant of the French Huguenots, he was already a Freemason, so he had sold his, his soul to Satan even before he became part of the Great Trek, uh-huh. before he became part of the Boers. Now, Peter Tief had exactly the same motive he wanted to negotiate with Tungan for land, of course, which he managed to do. But the purpose for that was that he wanted to sell the land that he was to negotiate with Tungan. He wanted to sell that to the Boers because the Boers were very um, adamant about establishing a republic where they could find freedom. Right. Not, and not be under the yoke of the Dutch East Indian Company, which they um, were fortunate to shed in 1795, the Dutch East Indian Company that had become bankrupt. And in 1802, the Cape Colony was handed over to the British, but it was only in 1812 when the British took possession of the Cape Colony. Now, that included all the ships that belonged to the Dutch East Indian Company, all the stores and all the goods that were in the stores, which were in the meantime being exploited by the um, by the employees or the ex-employees of the Dutch East Indian Company. Right. And that was the time when the, these... Edomite Cape Dutch uh, started um, their own enterprises and building out huh. of the um, the fact that the Boers had now become subjects of the British crown. The Boers had already moved under the the uh, dictatorship of the Dutch East Indian Company. Right. They already started migrating along the southern. Um, coastline right. and the hinterland of the southern part of Africa. Okay, let me just interject here because as you're speaking, I'm reminded of the situation at the end of the Soviet Union when uh, the, the Bolsheviks, of course the vast majority of the Bolsheviks were Jewish, at the end of the Soviet Union when that government collapsed, it was taken over by what I guess you could call the employees of the Bolshevik regime taking over uh, yep. whatever is left and then running things from that point on. But it was still in Jewish hands, right? So it, exactly. sounds, like, so it uh, sounds like when the Cape Dutch, uh, when the Dutch East India Company collapsed, their employees, <laughs> all of you know, the uh, Soviet Union, uh, you know, took uh, took over everything because uh, nobody, you know, they didn't have a top-down uh, regime anymore. 
Okay, but nevertheless, yes. okay, go ahead. Now, in exactly the same way, now, w- what I can say about the Edomites that I see again and again and again in history is that they use the same methods over a period of time or um, throughout history. They've used the same method. They have conspired against the house of Jacob to, uh, along with King Nebuchadnezzar to um, raise the sword against the two southern tribes. Right. And take the southern tribes into captivity. Also, the Edomites contrived and conspired with the king of Assyria to take the sword or to set the sword against the ten northern tribes. Now, one of the um, one of the characteristics of Esau and his descendants is has always been, first of all, conspiring right. against the house of Jacob. It's one of their traits. Yes. The second thing is they always get um, what is called proxy um, military to fight their battles. Right. Absolutely. The other thing that um, is also a a characteristic of this is to um, make secret – um, not just conspiracies, but make secret uh, um, what they did for the Messiah, with it, what they did to Yeshua, was they cons- not conspired, but they assembled to to find ways of putting the Messiah in a spot where they could take him into custody. Right, set, they set did people up. With yeah, they set us up for for a fall. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, now this this is has been going on through the ages. Uh, this is also what happened to um, the the house of Jacob that were in Spain and Portugal. It was also the same thing that happened with the house of Jacob that were in Holland, right, and in Belgium, and in France, and in Switzerland, and in Italy. They, this is the way they've been operating ever since the birth of Esau. Yes. In fact, before Esau was born, <laughs> he right. had already set his fists yep. and his claws against Jacob Amen. because they were fighting. Jacob was fighting for survival in his mother's womb. Right. Because so was trying to kill Jacob. Now, this has been the uh, evident of the events over the past uh, 3,700, 3,800 years. Yes. I would say about 75 generations. Since the birth This has of, been the... Yeah. The, the, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. People, You're telling me that that's what uh, that's a major theme of the Bible. Why haven't I heard this theme from the Judeo churches or from the Cape Dutch churches? Well, Pastor, firstly, you must remember that the very same Pharisees that were called the children of the viper, the seed of the viper, 
children of the devil and those that lie. In fact, the Messiah said to them, you lie just as your father, the father of lies, does. Yes. And they also uh, progenerate or progen, what, what do you call it? Um, gendered. They also. <laughs> yes. They progenerate. Yes. And. Those descendants of those very same people that were the Pharisees, well, sometimes I've called them Pharisees. Right. Because they were always on the heels of the house of Jacob. Wherever the house of Jacob was, these um, beings <laughs> also followed on the, on the steps of the house of Jacob, and they imitated, they assimilated to be the house of Jacob, eventually even hijacking the identity of the house of Jacob. And that is why they call themselves Jews, right. because after removing the name of Yah from the name of Yahuda, right. it was concluded to become Judah. And if you pronounce that in English as Jew, that was the convenient name that the Edomites used and have been using to identify themselves, having people believe, especially yes. the Judeo-Christian churches, having the Judeo-Christian churches believe that these individuals or this, uh, the the you can say the cockroaches of humans right <laughs> are supposed to be the yes. are supposed to be the chosen race of Yahweh yeah reptilians uh, one of the, <laughs> reptilian parasites yes please continue yes that is also the reason why they had um, bastardized the name of Jacob, remember Jacob's name was not changed to Israel, which has no Hebrew meaning whatsoever. Okay. But it is a uh, flagration. Is that the right word? Uh, yeah, you can make you can make words up here. <laughs> I think we know what you're getting at, right? <laughs> but right. it was the, the, the annihilation or the bastardization of the name Yisrael, which means the prince of right. Elohim. Right, right. Because, because as I've mentioned before, a discovery only recently is that in the King James Version of the Scriptures, Jacob's sons are named princes. Okay. And Esau's sons are called dukes. right. So there's a the definite difference. Yes. There's a definite, definite difference in the Hebrew word that defines the sons of Jacob and the Hebrew word that defines the sons of Esau. Right. So there are two different races. In fact, even when when uh, Rebecca um, had these two fighting in her belly. She went to consult with Yahweh, and she asked Yahweh, what is this? What is, has she to make of this? In fact, I have reason to believe that she even considered suicide. What do you call it? Suicide. Suicide. Yeah. Rather because why is conveyed in scriptures. Uh -huh. She said, what am I living for? What right. is the reason for me to live if this is the way that it's going in my belly? Right. So said to her, and the English translation is very close to the 
Hebrew translate or the Hebrew scriptures and the English translation says that Yahweh says to Rebecca, in your belly there are two nations, two manner of people. Right. That two manner of people shows very clearly two different separate races. Yes. Now well okay. One of the things if one follows the migration routes of Esau through the scriptures and through historical writings outside of scriptures, you will find that Father Yahweh says to his prophets on numerous occasions as to how he will annihilate Esau and Edom again and again and again. The scriptures prophesy the annihilation, the complete destruction of the kingdoms of Esau and his Edomite descendants. Yes. Also in Malachi 1, I think it is verse 3, Father Yahweh says that he hated Esau. Yes. Now why it is written in the past tense, I don't know. Why it's translated into the past tense, I don't know, because it is a present continuous in Hebrew. In other words, Yahweh hates Esau. Right. He states it clearly. And the reason why he hates Esau is because of Esau being a bastard from before his birth. Okay. Now, one of the other things I wanted to say is if you follow the migration paths of Esau, being taking unto himself two Hittite women. Right. Where, of course, Hitt was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Ham. Okay. Are you with me? Yeah. And, and then we see, and then he went and he took Malot, which, of course, was his cousin. His uh-huh. cousin... As the descendant, the granddaughter of Ishmael. So he had in his own blood, bastardized blood with the, with the seed of Satan. And then he still bastardized with the Canaanites and the Ishmaelites. Right. And then outside of the scriptures, we see that um, the the history shows that Esau went and killed Nimrod. Right. Yeah. And Esau's descendants, his dukes, then also bastardized with Nim- Nimrod's descendants in Babylonia. Right. And right. those descendants went and established, they migrated east of the Caspian Sea and they migrated to what is currently known as Ukraine, Ukraine. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> which is the Kazaria, the Republic of Kazaria, and right. we know that the Republic of Kazaria is the was the spawn grounds of today's Jewry. Yes, absolutely. Of course, in the 1300s and the 1400s, the Ottomans and the Mongols closed the trade routes. Uh, which the Edomites from Kazaria had stolen. They had killed the uh, the traders of the house of Jacob in Europe. 
they hijacked the uh, camel caravans and they took over the uh, trade routes of the house of Jacob. Right. And then they found that these routes were being closed by the Ottomans and the Mongols because Kublai Khan and his uh, Mongols were doing the same to the Edomites that the Edomites had done to the house of Jacob. Right, right. And they, they, they heard that there was uh, trading opportunities in Spain. And then, of course, from Spain, they, they migrated through Europe to Spain. They built themselves vessels and they started trading. They rounded the Cape as Spanish traders. They also, now what we also know is that Christopher Columbus whom is deemed to have um, discovered America, not that America was gone or was lost, but he discovered America. Rediscovered but it, he yeah. was <laughs> Sorry? He rediscovered America. Life Erickson had discovered it a thousand years before, <laughs> right? The Vikings. Exactly. Yeah. The Vikings, the, the Phoenicians were also um, uh, in America. Uh, trading yes. in America, in land in Newfoundland. Uh, Etc. So uh, that, that it was just that that in in in, in um, Christopher Columbus's case, he was sponsored by the Jews, right? Or these individuals that call themselves Israelites. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, what we're seeing then is you know, the the great impersonation. Of uh, Israel by by the Edomites is finally becoming yeah. exposed. I'm seeing more and more websites, more and more uh, video platforms exposing these facts. You, you've probably heard of the evil Khazarian mafia, right? That's becoming a popular meme these days, which never was before. Yes. Okay. Back to you. Well, first. I discovered that um, writing um, most probably about five, six years ago because of the keywords that the angel had given me about the the, the, the Edomites that had become the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. So I started searching for the, the migration routes of the Edomites. How did the Edomites get to the Cape? And I've got pictures of those migration routes. I've got descriptions of those migration routes of these Edomites all the way from the mountains of Seir in the Levant, all the way to Babylonia, all the way to Ukraine, and then scattering from there across to Spain, where they started trading. And then eventually with the Edict of Alhambra in 1492, they... In the thousands, they moved to Holland because right. Amsterdam was open like to a them. Free city, right? Yes, and absolutely. that was where they established themselves, and that is from where they initially started their massive in, uh, inroads into world economy, right? Controlling right. the. Okay. Economy, controlling yes. the European economy, and then they got into wars with the British. Now, one of the things, one of the questions you asked about these two white races in South Africa was the one white race, the Boers, and the other white race, the British, um, the 1820 British settlers. 
No. The British settlers were of the same um, race yes. as Jacob was. Right. The 1820 they, they, they were, they were Jacob. Yeah. The British are Jacob. They became, yes. Go ahead. They became in the way of the Edomite Jews that started controlling right. Great Britain. Well, to, to the extent where they found themselves in a position, in exactly the same position as the Germans found themselves in Germany and the Republic of Prussia. Right. Because they were persecuted on the one side of the same coin by the Roman Catholicism and the Crusaders, which beheaded everyone who disacknowledge the Pope as the supreme authority under God, as they put it. Anybody who refused to accept the Pope as the supreme authority. Right. Now, remember that the, the church was the state, and the state was the church. It was one and the same. So the, the papal authority was throughout the Roman Empire. Yes. And that of course was exploited by exploited by John Calvin or ra- rather Jean Cohen. Right. Also a Jew. Yes. And he set up the 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 mechanisms for a state church or a church state, which of course was then adopted by the lowlands of Netherlands. Okay. And Netherlands became a Calvinistic Protestant country. Right. But what was worse, there were different forms of Protestantism, but Calvinistic Protestantism was the one that whoever refused the tenets, the tenets of John Calvin right. was burnt at the stake. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's how you deal with heretics. <laughs> so, so Calvin used the same tactics as the Roman Catholic Church did. There really was no different in tactics. Well, it was. If you go and look at the the whole way in which the history had developed, it was exactly the two sides of the same coin. Right. Con- both sides were controlled by the Edomites. Amen. They set up the two, um, the two camps. Right. And whatever was between those two camps had to be forced by military might into one of those two camps. Right. And that was why the, the Boers, the Boers, uh, pregenitors were persecuted in Europe and they came to the Cape. Now, this had been common knowledge. It wasn't just uh, um, Cecil John Rhodes and uh, Jan Smuts that spoke about these two separate white races. Okay, yes. It was common knowledge about 60 years ago that the people who came to the Cape were two separate white races. Okay, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Uh, because are they referring to the Cape Dutch Edomites as a white race? Is that is that what they're exactly. referring to? Oh, okay. But, of course, we know that's a lie. Exactly. They're not really white. But, that's okay, that clarifies it for me. Back to you. For the purpose of impersonating 
the house of Jacob, they had to find a way to declare themselves as whites. Uh-huh. Now, that was the reason why these Edomite Cape Dutch had used the color of the skin as the basis of apartheid. Yes, DNA had not been discovered yet. <laughs> right? Okay. They, they, they needed to hide their true identity as descendants of the hatred or the hated. Yes, Edomites. Edomites, yes. Identity. But Otherwise, okay. we could not have come to this particular point where right. um, the guilt could be, could be driven to the point where it is. Now, remember, it is a matter of establishing a basis whereby the white guilt could have been or could be uh, brought to the point where it had, had become a international, um, uh, uh, an international um, contempt. Right. In exactly in exactly the same way as social nationalism had to be driven to the point where it became a word and a principle of contempt. Right, right, exactly. Is, was it by chance that the Boers primarily were descendants of the Germans? Right. They came primarily from Germany and Prussia. Right. Yes, right. they were also Norwegians and uh, uh, Finnish people amongst the Boers. Oh, yeah. There were also a few Swiss amongst the Boers. There were even Italians amongst the Boers. Yeah. However, with the 1820 settlers, they were also from the descendants of the house of Jacob. Primarily from yeah. the house of Ephraim. Well, I could see that the Dutch Jewish bankers... Uh, seeing the German uh, Boer people escaping from Europe must have said to themselves, well, we can't let these Germans get away. We have to follow them. Otherwise, otherwise they'll establish their own independent country in South Africa. We can't allow that. We can't allow that. Well, well, you must remember that the Dutch East Indian Company came to the Cape to establish the, uh, the um, business operations. The replacement station. Okay, yeah, so yeah. The, the locality of the Cape was being exploited for financial and commercial reasons. Now, these Sephardic, primarily Sephardic Jews of the Dutch East Indian Company that came to establish the halfway station to the Far East at the Cape. Yes. They were, they were permanent employees of the Dutch East Indian Company. They were builders, they were masons, they were woodworkers, they were wagon builders, they were shipbuilders. So they their aim was to establish a fort for the protection of those that had to maintain this halfway station. Uh-huh. But they they fell short of something. They fell short of the ability to cultivate feed food stuff. Okay. Yeah. Because they they, they were not knowledgeable as um, husbandmen. Right. Yeah. Jews aren't. <laughs> yeah. They hire exactly. our people to do that. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. So Jan van Riebeek identified this. Now Jan van Riebeek's descendancy was also from the Sephardic Jews. Now he realized this and he wrote a letter to the Lord 17 around about 1655. And he said to them, the people that came with me to establish the halfway house or the halfway station, the replenishment station, they're not very good at building or cultivating the land. They're not very good at uh, uh, cultivating uh, food stuff. Please send us people who can be settlers <laughs> because the Dutch East Indian Company's um, employees were in permanent employment of the Dutch East Indian Company or the Lord 17. They could be the, these men that came with Jan van Riebeek, a total of 96 of them. They were in a position where they could be redeployed by the Dutch East Indian Company at any point. Right. Which also happened. Jan van Riebeek was in the Cape and he was redeployed on the 29th of May, 1664. In other words, 12 years and one month after his arrival in the Cape, he was redeployed to Malaysia. Really? Malacca. Wow. Okay. Yes. So... They, any one of them could be redeployed. The very next vessel that came from Holland or from the Far East could have a message with it that person such and such had to go back to Holland or be redeployed to Mauritius or redeployed to India or redeployed to Madagascar or redeployed to Indonesia or right. redeployed to Malacca or redeployed to Bengal, they could be redeployed anywhere because they were in the permanent. Jan yeah. van Riebeek actually wrote in his his journal, his diary journal, he said that before they left on the 12th of December uh, 1651 from Amsterdam, each one of those people had to make a a commitment, a vow, like a marriage vow yes. to the Lord 7th. They would not uh, desert once they reach their destination that they would not desert or they would not, um, what do you call it? If they, um, go off on uh, their own, if they're on the, oh, oh yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, what have a, a mutiny or a, a rebellion? Mutiny. Yeah, okay, they, they would not take part in mutinies along the way because, right of the very long periods that they would be at sea because that was one of the problems. So they had to make a commitment to the Dutch East Indian Company that they would not mute, um, mutiny, they would not participate in mutiny, and they would not desert the Dutch East Indian Company right. when they <clears throat> reached the destination. Okay, it all right. A yeah, I, I have to, yeah, to interject. Go ahead, finish your thought. I have a comment here, but go ahead, finish your thought. Which, if they did that, they could receive the death penalty. Aha, uh-huh. okay. That was the, the reward. Yes. Or the, the result, if they participated in any mutiny at sea right. or desertion um, on the destination. Right. Okay. But yeah. Now, now Jan van Riebeck wrote a letter to the Lord 17 and he said that he required that the Lord 17 sent 
people to become settlers. Right. Farmers. They needed farmers. Yes. Right. To grow food for them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, is this not? Yes. Is this not a perfect example of Genesis 3.14, where it says uh, that you, uh, the descendants of Nahash, will crawl on your belly and eat eat the white man's dust? Right? Exactly. Uh, they need us for sustenance. They need us to grow their yes. food for them <laughs> because they because the, the curse of Cain is upon them. The, the land will not yield for them. Yeah. Okay. So, what Jan van Riebeek then did, he asked the Dutch East Indian Company's Lord 17 to send people that could become settlers. The Lord 17 knew about these people that were chasing first eastward and then westward, being chased by the, the Roman Catholics or the Protestants, persecuted. Yes. And they started, they set up an agency in Amsterdam. And that agent was called the Seals for Cooper, a soul, um, a, a, the, the Boers in the, the Boer history, it says that they had to make a contract right. with the Seals for or the Souls uh, seller. Uh, the seller of souls or the buyer of souls, <laughs> right? Sell your soul to the devil. Yeah. The soul. Yeah. The soul. That, yeah that's called a contract, so, <laughs> right? A commercial contract. And oh, didn't it, isn't it interesting? It began on the sea, right? The merchant, the, the merchants of the sea, exactly. the Rothschild. Well, the Rothschilds didn't live yet, but the Cape Dutch Jewish bankers. Back to, back to you. Now, if one reads Revelation 17 and 18, and I know I refer to this so often, if one reads Revelation 17 and 18, you see exactly what the Dutch East Indian Company traded in for so many years. They were the the mightiest traders, the merchant organization in the whole world. Right. And and one of the things that they were trading in was the souls of men. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's written in the scriptures. Yes. So is it so difficult to identify what the scriptures write about the um Mystery Babylon? Absolutely. I mean, uh, for those of us in identity, it's no mystery. But for the rest of the world, it is a mystery. Mystery Babylon. Who are these people? But but the Judeo-Christianity states that Mystery Babylon is the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say, isn't it? We know how wrong that is, right? But here, what you were just describing about about uh, Jan van Riebeck and his operations in uh, in Malaysia and elsewhere, it proves that the Dutch East India Company was already a global empire. I mean, globalism exactly. is it's what they're all about, right? So you lo- you look at uh, Klaus Schwabstein or Schwab of the Hut, as I like to call yes. him. It's globalism. Yes. It's in-your-face globalism. And nobody recognizes it exactly. for what it is. Back to you. 
exactly what Nimrod's idea right. was. Exactly. To rule the world, the, uh, the entire yeah. globe. With merchandise. Fact, that is also why the, that's also why he built the Tower of Babel. And yes. he said, let us stand together. And set ourselves play tag. against the most high. Let us play tag. But here's, here's <laughs> right. the big thing, Pastor. Here's yes. the big thing. The Dutch East Indian Company, after its establishment in 1602, they were in competition with the Edomites in England, who had established the Dutch, uh, rather, they established the English Tea Company. Yes. So they were in competition. Okay. Yes. So it was Edomites. Edomites. Then they, they, the Edomites in in uh, Holland reached the point where they realized, by increasing the number of vessels and increasing the size of those vessels, because of the long distances that they had to travel and the risks involved in the the many days, or in fact the many months right. that they had to spend. At sea, a round trip for those vessels were often in the period of two years. Yes. They realized by increasing the number of vessels and increasing the size of the ships, they could actually create far greater gains. Sure. Sure. And was when they set the Dutch East Indian Company open for investors from outside of the jury to make investments in the Dutch East Indian Company for the increasing of the vessels and the number of vessels. Yes, yes. Okay, what, one additional thing, because you know, we were talking about the conflict between the Roman Catholic Church and the Calvinists, and it was uh, uh, Walter Cronkite, no, uh, Oliver Cromwell, <laughs> might as well be Walter Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell, who was a Calvinist. Supported by the Dutch East India Jews of Holland, invaded Britain to take over Britain's economic system and create the Bank of England. Right, so that that had to happen too, and ultimately turned power over to the British or the Jewish bankers in Britain. Back to you. Wasn't wasn't that in 1371? Uh, I'm not sure exactly what year it was, but uh, yeah, it was fairly early. Yeah. Okay. No, then, the Bank of England was uh, created in 1685, I think it was. But uh, you know, the, the invasion by Cromwell had to be, you know, uh, uh, several dozen years earlier. Yes. Okay. Quite earlier. Yeah. Now, what one must also remember that the the whole principle of creating the Bank of England exactly in the same way as the Bank of France, exactly the same way as the Bank of Holland, was the way in which the Jews had established the bank in Venice, in Italy, in the 1100s, and collapsed the bank at the expense of those outside investors uh -huh. who were not part of the Jews. Uh-huh. Making billions uh -huh. in the process, right? By by uh, yeah. cheating it's all the investors. The same, yeah. It's the repetition of the same process. But yeah. here's the very important thing, extremely important about the Boers in South Africa. Yes. When the Boers progenitors arrived in the Cape, 
they were in contract to serve as white slaves. White trash. To the Dutch East right. Company. Yes. White slaves. Uh-huh. For a, an amount of 150 Reichsdalders. Now, Reichsdalders were what was the money system from the uh, Dutch East Indian Company or the, from right. Holland. Yes. And by providing their service, these settlers were contracted for a, an amount of 150 Reichsdalders to travel by the Dutch East Indian vessels to the Cape. But they could not come as ordinary passengers because the Dutch East Indian Company did not allow that. Okay. They had to come. The Boers progenitors came as uh, soldiers. I see. Why? Because this, the, 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 these German and Prussian and those settlers had to be put into the blame seat, the seat of the those that carry the blame. Okay. For the right and the murdering the people who were in opposition to the Dutch East Indian Company, mm-hmm. so the Boers became the proxy yes. militarists of. The Jews. Yeah, just as in our American Civil War, the northern uh, white soldiers fighting the southern white soldiers as proxy armies of the international Jew. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Now, in this regard, in this regard, the Dutch East Indian Company obtained the investment, uh, the investors, capital investors called the Dutch Reformed Church. The Dutch <laughs> oh, it's, it's a 501c3 corporation, is it? <laughs> right? Po- posing as a religion. The Dutch Reformed Church demanded as the condition for their capital investment that wherever the Dutch East Indian Company established bases for trading, that they would subjugate the people of that land to the Dutch Reformed religion. Yes, yes, okay. So thousands, uh, yeah, and thousands on thousands of people in Indonesia, on the more than fourteen thousand islands of Indonesia, Bali, Borneo. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Vietnam. Amen. Amen. I was going to say that. <laughs> people were killed. They were killed. They were mowed down by firearms. Yes. That were in the hands of the Boers. Right. Because the wow. Boers were under the command of the Dutch uh-huh. East Indian companies. Right. Yes. Jews. And it's still happening today, Pastor. It's still happening. What do you think yep. we're doing in Iraq? And Iran, etc., Afghanistan, our our soldiers are mowing down their people at the behest of the international Jew. Pastor, exactly the same reason why the Boers were also commandeered by Jan Smuts to go and fight the Jews' war yes. against the 
ancestors or the what do you call it the germans the, the, so the, the boers who right. had the descendancy from germany had to go and fight their own people right but they refused the boers refused to do that those that were refused many of them were were killed by jan smuts wow wow okay hundreds of in the rebellion were killed by the union soldiers uh-huh. Yeah, but you you mean the Union of South Africa. The uh, Cape Dutch government. Now remember something else. Exactly the same way that there were two wars that were orchestrated by conspiracies between the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners and the Edomites in in, in Britain, it was yes. a conspiracy. Sure. Two conspiracies, or conspiracies, was with the British to go and fight against the Boers. Because the Cape Dutch Afrikaners did not like to be subjugated as Dutch Jews, subjugated to the British crown. So they envied after the Boer republics that had been established in 1652 by the center of a convention of which my my pregenitor, uh, uh, yeah. Andres Pretorius, was the instigator to the establishment of the center of a convention, where in which he managed to get the British to acknowledge the existence and the sovereignty of the Boer Republic of Transvaal. Yes, yeah. And in 1654... 1654, exactly 160 years before the visitation yeah. of the angel. Right, right. There well, was the, the Bloemfontein Convention where the, the Orange Free State Boer Republic received full recognition of Britain in terms of sovereignty and self-government. Uh-huh. And these Dutch Afrikaner Edomites were standing with their hands in their in their hips, right? thinking, how can we get those republics? Because if the Boers have those republics, we want to steal it from them in exactly the same way that we had stolen the, the, the uh, Canaan, the promised land, from right. the house of Jacob. Amen. This is being repeated again and again and again. Yes. And the Boers, have, and the Boers because the Boers were being tested, the Second Anglo-Boer War was waged because of a conspiracy by the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners along with Cecil John Rhodes in the in England, in yeah. London. And Jan Smuts. Along Don't forget. To- Don't forget Jan Smuts. He, yeah, Jan. he orchestrated the uh, League of Nations. More international. Well, well it was only warfare, but, but they already conspired in 1650, in, in 18... Uh, 54, they conspired, the, these Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners conspired amongst themselves, five principal groups of Afrikaners okay. conspired against them, amongst themselves to kill the, the Boers by genocide. Right. Whatever means available, they were to genocide the Boers and then whatever is left of the Boers by assimilation Assimilate them to be Afrikaners. Okay. 
And then once, once they have assimilated these Boers into becoming Afrikaners, they would then bastardize these Boers, right? deriving them a descendancy of pure blood yeah, from the house of Jacob. Well, now here, at the, at yeah. But here, at the end of the at the end of the seventh generation, their aim was to then have the Afrikaners known as the Boers, uh-huh. and all the Boers right. tragedy and history and 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 <laughs> uh, uh, right covenants uh, to have that all as Cape Dutch Afrikaners, right? But also to their false gods, their right. false. Uh, uh, Calvinistic gods. Right, absolutely. That is one of the reasons every Boer, every Boer uh, 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 location where the battles were fought, where these, why these Cape Dutch Afrikaners established these Nimrod penises, these sun pillars, these right. um, church steeples. Penis. Church steeples is what we call them. <laughs> All right, so we see a situation because you said that the banksters are standing there with their hands on their hips. They cannot be allowed to be seen with weapons in their hands because that's what no, the they... people on the ground see is the people with weapons in their hands, and that's who they fear. It never occurs to them to fear the banksters who are paying these people to fight them and to destroy their country. It never occurs to them to look who's financing all of this. And orchestrating it and uh, by conspiracies uh, planning yeah. it. Right. It's right. been done past 3,700 years. Yes, yes. But people are waking up. That's the good news. Despite all the chaos we're going through, people are waking up. They're pointing out the evil Kazarian mafia. They're pointing out Klaus Schwab and uh, you know the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the bankers. There more and more videos are being produced about this subject constantly so that it's showing yeah. that there is an awakening occurring. And we only have about less than two minutes left. So go ahead and finish your thoughts on this subject. Okay. Now, the people from Irania are those that have achieved financial freedom, if you can call it that. Okay. Buying up all the land because the prophet Sina von Rensburg, and we've spoken a lot about him. Yes. Sina von Rensburg prophesied about the Boers establishing themselves in the northern Cape, in the Karoo, and in towns yeah. like Priska and Uppington right. and Urania. The, the white tents now, that he Urania saw. Was, yes. I beg your pardon? The white tents that uh, Van Rensburg saw in his vision. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Now, with these Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners, these super Afrikaners, that they went and they bought up all the land. Ah. to be able to sell that land preempt, to Boers. To preempt the, uh, for the Boers from taking over. I see. That's very interesting. Can you see that yeah. the link? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it, it all falls into place, doesn't it? Okay. All right. So we've run out of time. Thank you for your input. And uh, the, the conspiracy goes all the way back to Genesis three fourteen and 15. And uh, I think you really clarified for people how the Cape Dutch Afrikaners have been oppressing the Boers for now, well, well over 400 years. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. We're going to get this. We're exposing the truth for all those who will listen. Thank you, Pastor Martins.
Excellent. Praise okay. Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. All right, folks. Have a good day and have a Jew-free day on top of that. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody.